previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. Um, so being a, a bulgy-veined pale girl has worked out in my favor. Which I favorite. think was your screen name in, <laughs> in middle school, I believe. In terms of getting blood taken, it works out well. You are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite Podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments. Big or small, chronic or temporary, the Sick Invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? Oh, nothing. It's getting uh, darker a lot sooner, so I, uh, it's, it's a little sad, but uh, how are you doing? I know you had some uh, major issues. How, how are you today? I had some minor surgery today. What does that mean? I, I went to the podiatrist expecting to get an ointment on my infected ingrown toenail, which I've mentioned a few times on this podcast. Constantly. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I left uh, with him performing surgery on my toes. He removed... Removed the toe? He, the whole toe's gone. He said, you know what? It's just easier if we take the toe off. So we don't need this. You sit down for your job. No. He, uh, I, I had some local anesthetic. Well, they say if you lose your big toe, like you can't, you know. You have like you no balance. You have no balance. Yeah, it's got to be really difficult. So uh, I, I had some local anesthetic, which was the most painful part of the whole procedure. Did I ever tell you when I always thought, I always thought when they said a local anesthetic, like they like it's like local nearby. Honey. It's like local. <laughs> honey. Yeah, like, like, Locally sourced anesthetic. Yeah, like they get it. Like we only have it's in the whole. It's all uh, Suffolk County. This is Suffolk County anesthetic. Yeah, and then he uh, he chopped out the the infected Chops? part of my toenail. So I, I I wasn't looking at it. I was like, I, I can't look at this. I'm gonna look at all the diplomas on this wall. You're quite qualified, sir. Uh, and then I, I didn't feel anything. So I was like, what's this guy doing? I look down <laughs> and I, I see a bloody stump. He, he, he They cut out a chunk of my toenail. Mm-hmm. Every part of it that was infected, they just cut right out. Right. And uh, now I'm band, bandaged up. I got wound care kit and uh, I'm in agony. You've, yeah, well, listen, it's, it sounds like a, tra- a, a difficult thing. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. Hopefully it at least will improve your foot. Um, I will say, though, um, in terms of the verb you used, chopped, probably not accurate. No. No, 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 it wasn't. But anyway, sure it was I... was very I, precise precision. It was very... I, I didn't look at it, so I don't know how much went on, but uh, he wrapped it up, and I said, oh, can I drive home with this, or do I have to call my husband? And he goes, you can do whatever you want. And I go, can I play kickball? What does that mean? I don't, I don't, I don't know what this say, means. You didn't say that. I said it in my brain, um, <laughs> but I asked him like I don't know what that means, and then he he said just you know go easy on it, elevate it. Um, I can't shower tonight. I can't get get them wet tonight, but so I'm gonna I'm a little stank. Now you said you can't do the dishes for that very reason. Is I that can't. because you wash the dishes with your feet, so you can't get them wet? Yes, is that exa- is that's that really, exactly right. That's the argument you're going with. Exactly. I understand. Okay. But anyway, so hopefully after this, you won't hear about my infected, ingrown toenails ever again. I I'm making a prediction that we probably will. I mean, I have an appointment in two weeks well, for follow-up. If so. class screws up the booking next week, we may uh, talk the entire episode about your foot. So All I'm say. saying is it was traumatizing. I was not expecting to have surgery today. Yeah. But I did. Yeah. Well, listen, unexpected surgery is, is most of the time, I would think, most ha- uh, half the surgeries probably. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, no one expects to have a surgery, really. He, go, yeah, he takes off the Band-Aid because I, I woke up with a bloody toe. He goes, oh, no. Then he takes out a syringe. I'm like, hey. <laughs> so, uh, I hate a toe syringe. <laughs> I can't even think about it. <laughs> well, you took it. You did a great job. Thank you. This show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. 
Hey, I got a, a, a promo code for that website. It's called Sick Invite, all caps, one word. Sick Invite. You get a discount on all pre-made items at KaylaHerb.com for you guys only. Do us a favor and take a screenshot of our show and share it to your Instagram story. That's really important for marketing for us. Please subscribe to our show, comment and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sick Invite Podcast and tell your friends. We also have some merchandise available on the SickInvitePodcast.com, including our What's Wrong With You shirts, mugs, stickers and buttons. We are also on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get early access to our episodes, behind the scenes content, 10% off KaylaHerb.com and more. So producer class weighs in. He says uh, that he's actually working on getting me a new microphone because I know that the levels on this episode when we record the interview are a little funky with my microphone. So he's working on getting me a new uh, mic. That's not his fault. It's my fault. Uh, I was uh, just I should have double checked it, but he's working on getting us that. But he also said that I was lying about the Lucy Liu thing last week that he had, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. He doesn't even know who Lucy Liu is. And I just find that unbelievable, don't you? Mm-hmm. Why would you make something up like that? No, no, that he wouldn't know who Lucy Liu is. That's true. She's very famous. Of course. In a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that he, that's how I know that he's lying. I mean, it's one, this is, you can't, you could say, oh, I didn't, I didn't say that. That's, that's one lie, sure. But then you can't also double down on the lie and say, I've never heard of her. That seems like, now I know he's lying. Mm-hmm. And and what do you, what do you think of all this? Because we kept you off the emails. I don't I didn't want you to see the, the type of language. I'd love to stay out of it. I didn't want you to hear the the filth that was coming out of uh, this uh, gentleman's Listen, mouth. Me and Klaus are on good terms right Gentlemen, now. Gentlemen, which I use very loosely when referring to producer Klaus. I, I'd like to keep us on good terms, but if I hear he's talking mean words to my husband, or about Lucy Liu, or about Lucy Liu, how dare he? On today's show, we have Megan Scala. So, Megan, what's wrong with you? I have vulvodynia, chronic pelvic floor dysfunction, vestibulitis, and vaginismus. All the V words. Just all of the V words. All of the V words. That is um, a lot going on. That's a very all very painful conditions from the little bit that I know about them, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a chronic pain condition. Um, it's not something that's ever really going to go away, but there are things you can do to make it better, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very painful. Um, and it's very poorly understood both like conversationally with people and in the medical community. It's I've had to explain to doctors what is wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to my mom this morning because um, she was asking about the show. She hasn't actually listened to it yet, <laughs> but she wants to. So I was telling her about you and she was like, oh, I don't I don't know what all that is. And I think that's really important to note um, and exactly what you said that you have to sometimes explain to doctors what your right. own medical condition is. I think a lot of people get discouraged with that, but there's so many things in your own body. So I yeah, thank you for saying, saying that. that. That could be really validating for a lot of other people. Um, yeah, but go it's, ahead, it's, go on, ex- explain what, what is all of this. <laughs> so it's a lot of things that interconnect with each other essentially it means that my vagina is very painful my vagina and my vulva Mm -hmm. and just basically anything south of my waist the muscles are not functioning properly um and this past year i had a neuromodulation device put into my spine to try and regulate some of that pain 
uh, which probably seems extreme, but when you're in pain all the time, and I've been in pain for uh, coming on 11 years now, Wow. you do, you're, you'll take some desperate measures. Oh, <laughs> of course. I, I, I totally get that. So when you say um, anything below, it, so does that include your legs just from everything being connected, like your thighs, your glutes and all that? It varies from person to person and quite frankly, day to day, but yeah, like squats are out of the question for me. I'm never going to be riding a bike. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Sitting is difficult. Standing is difficult. All of the, like anything that you do in your day is more difficult when your vagina is burning. Cause a lot of the thing you don't really understand is that part of it is that it's, it's, um, amplified by contact. Mm-hmm. So anytime your body is moving, your vagina is touching itself. Yeah. That's how anatomy works. So anything you do makes the pain worse. So even clothing, like any type of... Oh my God. Thong's my nightmare. Boy shorts are my nightmare. A lot of flowy dresses. That's kind of just the ideal. I, I... So the first time I heard about your condition was from Laura Parker, who's a BuzzFeed writer. Um, Some of our listeners might know her just from chronic pain. She did a lot of videos. The first video I saw her was in a video of a bunch of women who were talking about times they were in pain and they weren't believed. And she she has, I think, all of the same things that you do. She Um, has uh, endometriosis, which I was diagnosed with at some point, but my my symptoms don't necessarily fit with that, but that's ironically, it's a very unknown condition, but it's becoming slightly more known. So I was having vagina issues and they were like, oh, you must have endometriosis. Mm. When, like, you can't really confirm or deny endometriosis, but I personally don't think that's my condition. Yeah. I, I was diagnosed with it. I just, I don't really stick with that one. I think the only way they can confirm their, that is literally through surgery correct Um, and I was like no thank you I've had enough yeah yeah (laughs) I I remember her talking about her pain that she went to the doctor and they literally just put a q-tip um didn't even insert the q-tip test the q-tip not pleasant she she recalled like her body shaking in pain and I've jumped off a table from the q-tip yeah from a q-tip at certain points absolutely yeah yeah, that's I I I can't it's, imagine. And it's that. exactly what it sounds like. It's literally just a, someone gently putting a Q-tip on your vulva, and you're like, "Oh my God, why are you trying to cattle prod burn me?" Mm-hmm. Is what now, it feels like. How how did you figure out that this was happening? Is this something that kind of develops with puberty or? For everyone's different. For me, uh, just to add an extra dose of complex, this I should probably stop clicking the pen I was holding. Uh, <laughs> For me, this started, uh, I lost my virginity, which I'm sure we all are aware is a construct, but I had sex for the first time. Mm-hmm. The next day I was in the, in the hospital with a urinary tract infection and that pain just amplified and never went away. So when we say sex here, we're just talking p- penetration. Penetrative, is, okay. the he- the heteronormative definition of sex. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the same page there with definition. Yeah. Um, so uh, now like when we were talking about the social construct and myths, I, a lot of girls are told, well, your first time's going to hurt. Um, right. Which is very much what I thought happened. I also, there was a condom involved, found out I was allergic to latex the same time. It was a very traumatic experience and it, mm-hmm. it not be for anyone. It should not be painful, mild discomfort at best. Mm-hmm. That should not be continuous. It should be like a moment and then it should be done. Yeah. And then you either <laughs> need, you either to need to stop and figure it out, yeah. or it's going to just kind of like 
work itself out. Anything more than that, stop, red flag, figure out what's happening. Yeah, something could be wrong. I think a lot of people have that misconception. So you probably had, it was hurting the first time and you were like, okay, that's normal. Oh, I, I powered through. Then found yeah. out it was because I was having an allergic reaction to the condom. And then also just all of the other stuff. Yeah. Do, the, do the, either of those two things go together or those are totally unrelated? I'm sorry, what? The re allergic reaction and then the other condition, were those two things, do they usually go together at all or is totally unrelated? I have no knowledge of them being related, that they just happen to come up at the same time for me. Mm. Um, but so one of the theories of what causes uh, vulvodynia is potentially a the nerves in your, if you get a urinary tract infection or anything like that, your nerves just never turn off from that pain, mm. if that makes sense. That's one of the theories. There's no real definitive cause, but that's what yeah. I've told. So that's I don't necessarily like that theory because that puts a lot of the onus on someone trying to be sexually active or right. yeah. Right. It, it puts I, a lot of blame on it. But it that seems, is theory. Yeah, it seems more like it's something that's dormant and can be awoken with some sort of infection. That's another theory with Crohn's disease, too. They think that it could be dormant and things like mono could um, awaken the other symptoms. And th that makes sense and sounds a little nicer than... But it seems like it'd be impossible to You had sex in your, your, your <laughs> yeah. and now you're being punished forever? Yeah. Because yeah. now it was kind of put to me. So yeah. not in those words, but that's the way it felt at 15. Yeah. It seems like it seems like it's impossible to tell though, you know, even with you were saying with Crohn's like it it could have just emerged at any point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say that it would only be awoken by certain things or you could have avoided it, you know what I mean? Which I think is part yeah. of what doctors kind of like to do to make it seem like it makes sense, but that I personally feel like then it's putting the blame on the patient, which Sure, sure. have happened just from crossing the street. Right, yeah. right, right. And then I'm sure that once you were getting diagnosis that a lot of them were like, well, just don't have sex. And then you. Well, I was told I had a urinary tract infection for about two years <laughs> and was just being pumped with antibiotics. I'm like, this isn't getting any better, guys. Yeah. This is just getting worse. I, I can't have just a continuous urinary tract infection. And then the advice was to not have sex. Yeah. Or, was this your you know, gynecologist telling you this or primary care? Yes. Both. Both. And I, I went to. I was kind of on my own with this. My mom is a, a little bit more of a, she kind of let me handle it on my own more. And because mm -hmm. she didn't really realize that it was a thing either. Because she was listening to what the doctors were saying, which was it's a urinary tract infection. And then when she did get involved and like started going with me, helped me advocate for myself more. But it was like a solid three years of just being told nothing's wrong with you. It's a urinary tract infection. Maybe mm -hmm. you're not using lube having to discuss like positions and those kinds of things, which just was not the problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It almost like, and I was so young it, looking back on it, it feels almost inappropriately prodding mm -hmm. gross to think about when I like the way it was asked. Yeah. I mean, cause there's a difference between teaching somebody like, Hey, if it's hurting, you might not, this might not work for you position wise, or you might need more foreplay and they just it was it was more in a shameful kind of way. yeah and almost like a like a looky-loo kind of thing mm. that's yeah yeah anything it just always seems creepy when you're that young um, yeah and then you, there's also like being like well maybe you shouldn't be having sex as young and i'm like well i am so. yeah it's not like it's a outrageous age <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it's like I, I am but i i did but i'm not now like 
I'm yeah. not anymore. What do you want from me? It still hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always want, I got confused at that question active. I'm like, well, active is in, was activated. Have I ever, <laughs> am I active now? Yeah. I, it, it never, it never made sense to me because that was always a question. If, if you're a woman with pelvic pain, they're going to ask about your sexual habits. Right. Uh, always happens. Um, but I, I think that it's also like if you told me at 15 and I was having that pain, like I, I wouldn't have said vulva, you know. I would be like, oh, my vagina. Like, and no, I think a lot of people do I, that. I did. That's very much what I did. And I mean, quite frankly, I do still say vagina to encompass the whole thing because for me, it is the whole thing that's in pain. If I need to, if I'm talking with someone and I need to, like a doctor now that's not gross, I'll get more specific. But yeah. it is the whole, if we, if we, for me, what's in pain is the whole general culturally accepted definition of vagina, which is just that area. <laughs> yeah. People say like, oh, I'm shaving my vagina. I'm like, vagina's a hole. Not I'm, I'm, a hole. If you're shaving your vagina, <laughs> like literally shaving your vagina, you're definitely doing it. You're going to have some problems. But I, I think that, you know, we learn enough about our bodies in, in school, but we don't get too far into it. Like you learn you have a urethra, but you don't really learn what to say if you're having pain. Um, or how to explain your body or even just like taught how to explore it properly like I, I didn't know how to put a tampon in the right way so I didn't use them so it's like oh this thing hurts and I didn't learn till like college that I was wearing them wrong <laughs> yeah I mean I think sexual education fails everyone but it specifically fails women mm -hmm. do you think that um, also contributes to your misdiagnosis of the UTI for so long um I think I was pretty lucky in that I was able to discuss these things with my mom so I had a better understanding than most I think the misdiagnosis comes from not believing women when they're in pain calling them dramatic telling them it's all in their head they're anxious they're depressed it's their mood it's just because their period I think it comes from medical community not investing in women's health and women's science there's so much more known about the male anatomy and how it works and how it functions and how it dysfunctions than the woman's anatomy just point blank period end of sentence mm -hmm. and yeah, the misdiagnosis i should I was gonna hate for myself as much i'm sorry Rick, I didn't need to talk. no no i'm sorry <laughs> i was gonna ask because i know that you mentioned earlier that it was something is that's not really that well known you have to explain it to even to a lot of medical professionals is it not common generally like no it's society? very common Oh, okay. That's it's what I was much more ask. common than whatever the numbers are right now. I it's much higher than that. <laughs> yeah, because of the misdiagnosis. But it's right, like right, common, and probably I, higher now. Doctor puts one in ten have endometriosis. Yeah. I don't know the exact statistics on vulvodynia or all the other things, but it's it's fairly common. Right, right, right. It's not commonly diagnosed or treated or yeah. discussed or discussed. Yeah, discussed yeah. I think is a major thing. I think of, of a lot of women feel shame. Um, like if they're having pain or itchiness, they're like, oh, I, I must have. I'm STD. dirty. I must yeah, have, dirty. Yeah. I did this to myself. I shouldn't have slept with I this still, partner. I still do that. I still shame myself in that way because it's so ingrained. Mm -hmm. I, it could be something like, oh, I took a bath and that may have, have aggravated it. I shouldn't have done that. Like mm -hmm. it's a lot of blame in, in this diagnosis and it's not healthy. It's not right, but it's what you're what you're taught is learned, and it's really, really difficult to unlearn that. 
Mm-hmm. Especially when it takes so long, you still kind of question like, well, is this actually the only thing or they sh- am I being dramatic? I, I still do that. And I, I still. talk with my therapist about that all the time. I'm like, I my current doctors have never, ever, 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 ever once insinuated that I was lying to them. But I still like practice, rehearse the what I'm going to say in my head before I go there. I'm like, does this make me sound credible when I say this? And we don't have to do that. But, we should we should not have to do it, but unfortunately, in a lot of cases, we do have to do it to make mm-hmm. ourselves taken seriously. And it, it shouldn't be the case, but there's a reason that we both with very different and an, anatomical issues <laughs> have the same experience. It's because, and I think the common denominator is our gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt, most of my issues are not related to my uh, reproductive organs in the least bit, but it was <laughs> always, that's what it was geared at since I was 14 and it took until 22 for them to be like actually this is your colon (laughs) about the same timeline for me to to get like a closer diagnosis Mm -hmm. and do you think that um that had to do more with just learning how to advocate more for yourself as you got older or just kind of like hearing the BS as you went along the way and like just getting tired of it. And you're like, actually, no, I'm not leaving this office until you tell me what's wrong with me. I think it's a little of all of it. Honestly, I think at first you just, you're taught that a doctor goes to school for eight years and they know what's best and you listen to them and you take their advice. And then you think, well, my body is the problem. I'm wrong. I must not be doing something until you see quite frankly, how stupid some doctors really truly are. Mm -hmm. Like they forgot everything they just learned. I mean, I had a doctor, I literally, I was having an allergic reaction to a medication that they gave because they had thought I had another UTI. I was having an allergic reaction to antibiotic. I could not breathe. And he was telling me I was having a panic attack. I'm like, no, I've had a panic attack. This is not that. I cannot breathe. And for hours, just like would not give me anything because he thought I was having a panic attack. I did. My mom demanded that he give me Benadryl at the very minimum the i finally was able to breathe he goes oh i thought it was just uh, an allergic reaction i'm like no no you did not you absolutely did not you thought there was nothing wrong with me and i was dying like you should not have to be in those situations where you can't breathe and have to tell them treat me yeah yeah or not just believe me please yeah i mean it, it's definitely like i feel like to this day i question whether or not my pain is real because i've had to make people believe me, mm-hmm. you know, and I minimize my pain. I, I feel like I should be pushing through more than I am, but it's because of the way the medical community treated me and the trauma that that built, that mm-hmm. I up these, these ways of reasoning through my pain and I'm working through it, but it's, that's going to be a lifelong process. Just like learning to live with a chronic illness that is your lifelong is going to be a lifelong process. Do you find that you compare your pain to your own pain like being like you know what i've i've powered through worse yes. i can do this <laughs> why why am i being such a baby and so dramatic about it today this has been my life for 10 years why is today so hard yep percent all the time I, you know or like i you know i got the neuromodulation device in and that has made my pain better but it's not 100 percent. it's still very difficult like today's a bad pain day and i feel guilty because i'm like well this is better than it used to be so you should be able to handle this Mm-hmm. I, I 100% feel that. I, I try to be grateful because I know that I could be a lot worse, but I also have been trying really hard to allow myself to be upset that I'm having a bad pain day. And I, I always feel guilty resting 
because I'm like, yeah. I've, I've, I don't need this rest. I've done worse before. And, but like, I, I do need the rest. That's why I got so bad. And it, it's ho so hard to, you know, I, I'm doing research at school right now and on people comparing their pain and their experiences to other people. But there is that comparing to your own experience when you have a chronic illness, because this is your whole life is something really hard to power through. Um, but I want to I want to have a little more information sure. about your pain device. Can you tell us more about that? So it is a essentially a battery pack. Um, it works similarly. The, the best comparison I have is it works similarly to a pacemaker works for your heart, but for my nerves. So my nerves go are like, if you're looking at like a, like a heart chart, the rhythmic spikes, mine are much more like erratic. Like I have an erratic heartbeat. So, so it tries to just stimulate it. So it keeps it in a more natural flow. It, it feels, you're not supposed to feel it all the time, but when you do feel it, have you ever been to physical therapy? Yes. Have they ever done like the stim? Yes, I have a machine. It, it can feel like a stim machine. Okay. Sometimes, but, or it can also feel like cramping or ideally it's going to mimic the feeling of your pain and then you dial it back. So it's in the therapeutic window where it will actually regulate your pain. Okay. That's the best ex explanation. It's kind of complicated. And where is it located? It's in your spine? It's, it's on two different uh, nerves that are, uh, that control the pain near where my pain is but the device is like right above my butt. Okay. Between my butt and my waist. And that's like implanted. So it's, it's not in, like- It's a... under my skin, yeah. So how did that procedure go? Like what brought that? Cause I've never heard of that. So what, what brought that into the conversation as an option yeah. for your pain? I went to the doctor looking for me a medical marijuana prescription. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I came <laughs> with a device. Um... This was a pain management doctor? Yeah, I was, and she was like, you would actually be a good candidate for this. I did a trial procedure. It, I honestly, I'm still, it's been about almost almost exactly a year since I had it put in. I'm still trying to figure out if it was worth it because it doesn't feel that different. But I've gone to doctor's exams and they're like, oh my God, your muscles are so much better. But my overall day-to-day -day doesn't necessarily feel super different. Mm -hmm. but, but your body is showing it. Difference. Over a longer span of time, it is different. It's only supposed to give you 40 to 60% pain reduction, but yeah, I'm sure you're aware that's quite significant when you're in pain. Yeah, that's, it is, but there's yeah. still, that's still there's a nice still, chunk of pain right. that there's, you're still having. Oh yeah. And it, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of days it doesn't feel like 40 to 60%. I, I hear you. That's like, so I'm still trying to take work one whether grain or not of rice out of the big pile. It's, yeah. I, I get you. Over time, now, it makes a difference, but yeah now did you not qualify for the medical marijuana because they're pretty specific in new york i definitely I, I i would qualify but my doctor like i went this route yeah <laughs> i would definitely qualify but um i just wanted to see what my options were i just yeah then co i was recovering then COVID happened it's just it's on the back burner at the moment yeah because i know that if you have chronic pain you qualify but it's so hard to prove chronic pain I've definitely got enough medical records to yeah. <laughs> chronic pain. <laughs> I would think so. Like somebody had messaged me because I, I had the card a couple of years ago. I don't buy it now because it's too expensive and I didn't like the doctor. Um, but he, somebody had asked me and they had like herniated discs. I'm like, bring an x-ray. You'll probably get your yeah. card. Yeah. Um, I haven't really gone through the process because I started a different one, but you know, yeah. 
definitely makes a difference. Those who can should. Yeah. So do they do they give you like a timeline of like, hey, this should work immediately or say like five years or so? It's very different for everyone. Some people, they turn around. It's like, oh, my God, crying. It's such a difference for mm-hmm. me. Kind of trial and error. It's not as noticeable of a difference for me. It's just not. I'm still I still feel like there's acid on my vagina. Yeah. And that's not going away. My muscles are a little bit better. I noticed that difference. So my pelvic floor has responded better. Yeah, hasn't really. Now, do you see a pelvic floor physical therapist? I have in the past, and I had just a really bad experience. I know it's something I should do. It's not going to happen anytime soon in this pandemic, but um, I just personally had a bad experience and then a really bad flare up after it. Mm-hmm. So I've been very closed off from that option. Yeah. Because it was pretty traumatic for me. Um, but I know a lot of people have benefited from it and I know it's probably something that I would benefit from I just kind of got to work up to getting there yeah I I follow a pelvic floor therapist on TikTok follow all these medical people on TikTok Um, (laughs) because you have chronic pain that's what yes (laughs) (laughs) but she she I'm learning so much from her like and she she caters a lot towards women who've given birth vaginally um just because your whole body gets way messed up pushing out a child i'm I'm not doing that yeah i mean i can't even imagine not doing it (laughs) but she she says like hey if you have this this and that you should see a pelvic floor therapist and like i didn't even know one existed but like between incontinence and pain and just frequent urination um there's so many things that your pelvic floor is responsible for and she shows different ways she actually got a couple videos banned on Twitter, on TikTok, because she was showing the um, dilation wands that she uses, <laughs> um, and she was like, "This is not a sexual toy." She's like, "This will help." Well, you should explain. This what is, is a medical device. device. Yeah. So, so dilation wands are they? They look like knitting needles, honestly. From what I what I saw them, and they, they get thicker in size um and if you are somebody who either wants to use a tampon or wants to try penetration or whatever might be going on you could also use it to massage the pelvic floor muscles it just allows you to slowly open the hole right to allow you for to allow for insertion yeah for me the pelvic floor i think of it as the pelvic floor dysfunction is more of a symptom of the vulvodynia than the other way around. Mm-hmm. So my like my muscles are tight because they're in pain, but they're not in pain because they're tight. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that's exactly how my arthritis is. <laughs> the, right, right. All of the and I, I try to explain that to to people. Like the reason I'm walking funny is because my hip hurts, and because my hip hurts, I'm favoring the other leg, and because of that, my lower back hurts because now all the muscles are tight. My glute, my thighs. It goes down to my knee. Everything is connected. When so you're in pain, it's not just the one area that's in pain. Mm-hmm. Your body is in pain. You're mentally in pain. Oh, yeah. Just you're exhausted. You're done. And I don't know if this is the truth for you, but like I could get a cold and it knocks me on my ass because I am the biggest my body baby is already with colds. Yes. 100%. And I, and like I, but, but we shouldn't say that because we're already fighting a battle every day. You're right. You're right. And our I'm, body is the I'm preaching the all same. the time not to I do say this. I the same thing to myself, which is why I said it to you because I know you say the same thing to yourself, like to yes. everyone else. But, you know. Yeah, it, it really does. Thinking of it, it that can, way, even though it's incredibly hard. Yeah. When you're already run down, that is just 
the what do they say the straw that broke the camel's back yeah and you'd need to rest and I and I felt guilty calling out of work I'm like yes I have a sore throat but I need to rest today before this turns into the flu or Mm -hmm. it turns into something really bad Uh, or a huge pain flare like yeah yeah and that's always when my flares would start and I actually um in high school when I had mono um I vaguely remember this I remember how hard the mono was for you (laughs) it took so long to get rid of but the one good thing that mono has given me um is ulcers in my mouth so so, so mono MEP you have it once but it never it, actually yeah. leaves your, your um, system so I even to this day I had it when I was 16 I'm 27 now I in my blood work will still, still show some elevated levels of mono yeah um, but when I'm get get really run down I get sores in my mouth and nose and that's usually my key of oh I need to really sit down because i'm about to have a major flare if i don't right Uh, do you have like keys that your body tells you um i didn't put this on the list of questions i'm sorry (laughs) no it's an interesting question and i think it's different for me every time like Mm -hmm. sometimes i i will just feel really like tired and depressed and then I'll be like, oh, a pain flare was coming. And my body was just getting ready. Yeah, it's always easier in hindsight. Oh, you're being such a big baby. You need to push through. Like, But I really should have just listened to my body and what my brain was telling me because it knew better. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's different every time. And like when you're always in pain, you don't know how, you know, a slight increase. Is this going to be just like, oh, today is a bad day? Or am I in for like a knockdown drag out fight? It, it's different every time. And you just kind of have to learn to like listen to your body better. And it's something I'm very not good at mm-hmm. and try and not judge your body or judge yourself for how you're reacting to your body. And that's also something I'm very not good at, but I'm aware that I should be better. Yeah. It's hard to respect it and love it when it betrays it you all the you. time. Yeah. It hates you. And it's, it's like being in the world's most abusive relationship where you're still mm-hmm. anyway, it's yep. really, you can't in leave any other context. It would be very dysfunctional. Yes. <laughs> now do you, um, is go to therapy or anything to address the mental toll that yeah. this takes oh, yeah. oh good oh, yeah. good good, good. we love to hear in therapy it. i think everyone and their mother should be in therapy especially their mother so, yeah. <laughs> not therapy say. i think there's something wrong with you personally <laughs> that's, my that's my unsolicited medical advice yes i i think everyone could benefit from it too i mean you don't have to have a chronic pain no. condition to be upset literally I, I, so many people compare their physical problems, their mental problems, their financial problems, everything to other people. We have to stop doing that. And then if you're feeling upset, just to address it, because these people are at your disposal. They're here. Yeah. They want to hear you. Love my therapist. Text them all the time. Oh, my God. I love my therapist so much. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. She's great. And, you know, and but the problem is that you don't always find the right therapist first. Mm hmm. So you have to be willing to go through the trial and error, just like dating. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I like these. It's always supposed to work once. Exactly. I like these um, th- these apps and stuff in the online that they're starting to do because you kind of take like fill out like a dating profile almost and they match you. And like I, I filled out what my issues were and then they gave me like a profile of four different people that they thought I would match good with. And then 
from there I could see like and they also had like preference like do you want to speak with a male do you want to speak with somebody around your age somebody your same race somebody your same sexuality and like some people have like giant paragraphs of their experience and then other people are like actually I really only focus on this one thing and it depends what you're looking for I got a lot of issues so I like a wide range (laughs) I uh I'm right now looking for um in addition to my my like regular therapist I am kind of cautiously considering going to a sex therapist because Mm -hmm. I clearly as we've discussed have a lot of just trauma with sexual dysfunction and you know it's coming up more and more and like really just wanting to like instead of trying to like figure it out on my own work through the deeper issues of that Mm -hmm. kind of try to get to a healthier place because sex for me is has always historically been something painful and you know my body responds to that Mm -hmm. like that's just the nature of my experiences and I need to kind of unpack some of that trauma so I haven't done it yet. And maybe having this podcast where I mentioned that I'm considering it will hold me accountable to it. Yes. <laughs> something I definitely need to do because I know it's a problem and I need to like work through it. I think a lot of people would benefit that. I think a lot of women especially have a lot of uh, trauma from their first time because they were not prepared. They didn't know what they were doing. So it did hurt. It probably hurt the first couple times until they figured right. out how their body worked. And I think... Think some people feel shame like that they don't have a sex life that's like the movies, but the movies are not real. <laughs> There's a million ways to have sex. Sex yeah. is not just what we've been, you know, and that's not necessarily the most fulfilling way of sex for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everyone has their shit. Everyone has their stuff. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's good. That's just good. the f bomb. We you can say the oh, s h. Okay. That's good. <laughs> which would which would work well in this conversation, but we'll try to avoid it. <laughs> um, but just to clarify, my my first time outside of like the pain was wasn't traumatic. I was with a partner who was lovely and mm-hmm. you know very much in love. Just to, you know, but it's it's the pain. You know? Yeah, it's still like even <laughs> like. Not emotionally, um, but just right. that your, bo- your body remembers My that. body held that trauma. Yeah. That necessarily emotionally traumatic outside of, you know, the pain. But it's it's holding on to that level of the trauma and coming out in ways that aren't necessarily, like, appropriate or needed. It's my body is, it's a defense mechanism that it's built up and need to, it's not appropriate anymore. It's not needed. I appreciate it for what it did to get me through what it needed to get me through, but it's mm-hmm. where it should be anymore yeah i, I think that's a great don't idea. apply yeah um I, and i think that a lot of people would benefit from something like that because you're right there are so many different ways to have a sexual relationship to be intimate with your partner and i think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on penetration and there's a lot of people out there who don't do it they physically or it, can't it's not pleasurable for you like yeah you could be perfectly functional in your vagina and it just not work. And that's yeah, statistically, I don't think a lot of women climax via penetration um, without the help of something else. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, we could just go into a sex ed class and just, I know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which like, I mean, um, I, I think it becomes like a touchy subject when like they're talking about it in school, but like the reality is your teenagers are probably having sex and i was <laughs> so was i <laughs> you, you wanna it, it, i think people are feel uncomfortable talking about it, especially when it's your public school like 
right. science teacher or gym teacher that's explaining it to you. Um, so, and I don't know what the answer is to properly explain it to a way and it's a teenagers in a way that they'd want to hear it and be I think engaged. that's where parenting comes in. Like I was really like, yes, sex ed should be taught in schools for students who aren't going to get that at home. It should be better, but parents all eating to talk to your kids. Like, mm -hmm. you know, sex shouldn't be a scary topic to talk to mom and dad about. It shouldn't be a scary topic to talk to your health teacher. Although your health teacher also shouldn't be your gym teacher. Like, yeah, <laughs> actually have a, a, a teacher that is just, that's their job and not the dual role. But yeah. um, I think that, you know, parenting is a big part of that too. Mm -hmm. Really lucky that, you know, I was able to, you know, it was scary, but like to bring it up because it's just inherently shameful because society, but my mom, when I would talk to her about it, she was really great. Like mm -hmm. my mom, my mom did a really good job with that. Um, and I can't imagine not having an adult that I was able to be like, my vagina really hurts. <laughs> and like, yeah. if my mom had had to have that conversation with her mom, my grandmother would have had like, you can't say that word it would have been like <laughs> you were right. dirty yeah well, like, yeah I why think... do you 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 don't you shouldn't even have a vagina at your yeah head. and then yeah. it like instantly goes to <laughs> slut shaming from your own parents 100 which... yeah, so i'm not really good. lucky with that yeah just based on the the part of the body that's having the issue it then it takes on a whole nother social connotation so that's really difficult say vagina yeah. ricky it's okay yeah <laughs> no no but i'm saying even if it was something else so even in kayla's case in Kayla's case, it's the it's the uh, you ovaries. know the ovaries or, and the, colon. Uh, or the colon, and then that has another whole social connotation of like a bathroom type conversation right. with people are like, also are uncomfortable. But like yeah. if you know, there's more you know, stuff I guess from the waist up that's more comfortable for people to discuss. I suppose more openly as a uh, medical thing mm -hmm. than it is more of a social thing. I guess. I mean, it, you're right too. With like a lot of people who have Crohn's, they hide it because they're too embarrassed to talk about their own poop and like i you know i've met parents who were like i've found my child passed out on the toilet because they were bleeding so much Ooh. and like they didn't know that this and this problem had been gone on for so long and there i i think i think you're right it is a lot of about parenting but also just like why is there shame in talking about normal body functions or talking about something that isn't operating normally. Like right. why are we ashamed that something might be broken? I think we're just a culture of shame. There's so much shame in talking about your mental health, your feelings, your anything that's there's we're just a culture of shame where anything that is not the 1950s version of the ideal is still yeah. full to talk about. It's obviously much better now and the the work you guys are doing with podcasts like this are really important but we live in a culture of shame and it's not healthy for any of us it's clearly mm -hmm. a lot more plain than making people be the standard definition of normal and i will yeah. say probably a small pinch of that kill is probably just general fear about you know people don't like to go to the doctors to find out that they are sick you know they think it's just wait wait it out it'll go away or something like that you yeah. know so i think that's a kind of a small piece of it as well reluctance to admit it Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, okay. I don't know about you, but I find that I do that myself, even though I know better. And like, uh, something's going on with my vagina, I'm to the doctor immediately. But if something's mm -hmm. going on with like my foot, I'm like, nah, it'll go away. I don't want to. I don't want to. Right, do it. right. Literally, my foot today. <laughs> 
I, he took off the band-aid on my toe and he goes, oh no. I'm like, that's not good. Well, you should explain for the folks at home, Caleb, more specifically. Well, I'll do that in our preview part of the episode, but I, I, I told Megan earlier um, oh, about my, my surgery today. Um, but I, I neglected this thing for like two weeks and then it's you don't want to have another thing when yeah. you have 8 million things wrong with you. You're like, I'm not adding another to the I'm like, and I don't want to go to any doctor's offices right now. And this one was all the way out in Patchock. I didn't want to drive, especially it was rainy today. But I'm like this, I woke up with a bloody toenail. I'm like, I have to address this today. <laughs> but you're like, in, in, in the linear, in, in the grand scheme of things wrong with me, my toenail, I could live without it. It's fine. Exactly. He's like, all right, I'm going to cut <laughs> off just the kind of, of it. I'm like, do it, I guess. That's fine. You just kind of like in a messed up way rank your things you're like it's on the lower list it's fine it'll it'll either fall or it'll get better but you know what what's so funny is that with this toenail like i generally have a very high pain tolerance for my gut problems and i have walked around with major infections and not known it this (laughs) this is a very minor surgery so many people have it i'm in agony today (laughs) i can't handle it so with uh, going to the bathroom, I know that I just from if I have spicy food and then diarrhea, it does hurt my vagina as well because that's all closely related. So do you does your do your bowels also affect your pain when going to the bathroom? Yeah, it's all the same muscles. So like if I'm either constipated or have diarrhea, my vagina is very sore mm-hmm. or more specific. But my bigger issue is with urine. Like when I pee, it's like pouring acid on extra acid. Wow. It's ext- it, like, I always to some degree feel like I have a urinary tract infection. Wow. Sometimes it feels like it's the beginning. Sometimes it feels like it's the middle. Sometimes it feels like the end, but it burns like someone's pouring acid on my vagina. It's And it, there's it, nothing you can do for that. I mean, I've done everything. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nothing is really, that's the, that's the thing that like, that's the chronic of my chronic illness. That's the one that has not really gotten much better no matter what I've tried. I do Botox injections. I do. That was going to be my, my first question about Botox. Cause I I mean, they they use Botox Botox everywhere and it 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 did nothing. A lot of things help with the muscles. Not a lot has helped with the burning and just the general vaginal vulva pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we need more research on this because you're definitely really not do. the only woman who goes through this and like you said if you have one issue you're gonna have other ones too and that's that's the case with a lot of chronic illnesses and i i just i i i don't like i wish i could fix it for you because I, I know, know. I mean, every one person that comes on with the chronic pain like i i wish i could fix yours i'd fix yeah. like- <laughs> I feel like the thing with chronic pain people is I'd fix yours before I could fix mine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Fix her. But like, because yeah. like, I know how much this sucks and I don't want this to suck for you. Yeah, and I think it's everyone, this is obviously me just guessing here, but it seems like you probably know your own stuff and you're like, I could deal with what I'm dealing with because I've been dealing with it. But yours sounds really painful, like comparatively. I think that I empathy is a, is a very common side effect of chronic illness. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, especially if, with if, people like us who waited so long to just figure out and be believed. We're like, no, no, no I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. To anyone who starts talking you about could, it. You could tell me <laughs> you, your your illness came from ours. And I'd be like, yes, 100%. I believe you. Let, let's figure it out. Yeah. But 
Um, but I, I think that if we're trying to find a silver lining, which I don't really enjoy doing because I feel like it minimizes the pain, but the increased empathy and just mm-hmm. the ability to have these kinds of tough conversations. Like, I don't know about you, but the ability to have a conversation about this really helps us have difficult conversations in our relationship, mm-hmm. conversations with friends. Like you just approach life with more empathy, openness, and understanding, I think. I agree. If we're yeah. going to try and find a positive, but we don't have to because it does suck. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you have any contact or do you have any friends or people that you've met that have similar issues? Um, no, I'm going to be honest. Uh, a lot of my friends have their own issues that I'm able to understand, but I've always been the one. I, I'm the vagina friend. Oh, I see. Yeah. When anyone has an issue with their vagina, like, <laughs> I feel like at this point I should have an honorary vagina MD because I most <laughs> yeah. with some so many things that I don't have. Or well, that's something you know, we talk about all the time when we talk to someone who has uh, an issue of any kind. They have to kind of become an expert in that field for them to be like just like you were saying. You have to go to a doctor. You have to explain it every time. So you have to have like a really good understanding of of what's going on. Do you find? I know you mentioned that you find that really frustrating to have to kind of be the knowledgeable one in a lot of situations. I find it frustrating in a medical situation, but I find it empowering and helpful to my friends and family when like, I'm like, you know what? You should ask your doctor about this. And then oh, the, yeah. my doctor was like, my doctor was like, oh yeah, that's a possibility. Let's test that. And I'm right. That is the most validating moment. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm like, I knew more than your doctor and you're welcome. Yep. Right, right. I love that. Or like if they're like, oh, I don't think it is this. And then the test come back and you're like, see, I told you, I told yeah. you, I was right. <laughs> My friend's like, yeah, I'm just feeling a little weird down there. I'm like, go to the doctor. It could be this, 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 and this. Go now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think that people, even with things like yeast infections, like they, they think it's because they're dirty. I'm like, listen, it just happens sometimes. Like, get it taken care of. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Your doctor is not does not think you're gross by examining. I mean, them. if they do, that's if they do, because there are doctors who do that. That's on them. It's not on you. Yeah, yeah. It's not a reflection of, of you. But I, I think that... Like when we were talking about the sense of community, like talking about it brings attention to so many issues, especially for people who do have painful sex. There's so many options that people could use now. Um, I see advertisements all the time for the O nut penis bumper. You ever see that? <laughs> I mean, I'm fat. I've never heard of this, but I'm fascinated. Yes, yeah. I just, me. I just really appreciate the name. The O nut. So it is a it, it's a penis bumper um they have different sizes what, what is that? a penis bumper what does that mean? i don't understand that so means. for people who cannot handle uh deeper penetration this is they it slides on the penis it's silicone so that the uh person with the penis does not feel any difference in how, the depth but it does you, the penis does not actually enter that person that far so see it, that's fascinating mm-hmm. i for me personally, that would be more of an issue because the outer part is more of the problem. Yeah. So, so my my like that's you. just like putting a bumper car where you really don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. But if like... people have like more cervical issues, and if you have a partner right. who's particularly well endowed, um, it's helpful for those kind of situations. And she, the the lady is so funny. She goes, she goes, you slip it on, you put some what lady? lady? You go to town. The lady who invented it. I don't remember her. Who name. invented it? What are you giving us? <laughs> I, your... I told you the brand name. Oh nut. Look it up. She's great. I mean, I don't think you should just look up Oh Nut if you're like at work. Let's just throw uh, a little yes. disclaimer. Not like safe maybe, for work. 
but let's, yeah, they have different sizes. Um, you know, some people maybe just need like a little bit of space. There's other ones that might cover most of it. Is this a sponsor to the program? No, but they should. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the penis bumpers, there's dilators. Um, there's obviously toys such as vibrators and things because you don't necessarily need penetration to have a good time. Yeah. Um, but these, the conversations that women have or that people have together are, you know, make the invention of these things they're like oh you're having issues i wonder if we did this if it would make it easier for you same thing with lubricant oh you're not producing enough here's some extra for you right and also like just what lubricant is going to make these issues worse like anything flavored scented or like yeah has a sugar do not let it touch your vagina if you have vagina problems it yeah. will burn or it will give you the worst yeast infection, which will just amplify, which will cause the rest of your pain to go up to 15. Yes, and don't give your vagina a facial. A oh my God, no, no vagina facials. No, no. No, 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 no. no, no. It doesn't have to smell like cookies. Warm it's, water, warm water. Yeah. That's pretty much it, it. It cleans itself, discharge is normal. A light soap, yeah. nothing else. <laughs> yes. Water-based lubricant. Yes. All the um, way. But I, uh, I think it's I important. I use the oh yes lubricant. Ooh, That's, oh yes. Um, oh yes and the oh nut. <laughs> Neither are sponsoring. Neither yeah. are sponsoring the program. <laughs> you, you totally cut that out, but like <laughs> a, a very like a, a conscious of what the vagina should be and what should be touched by it. Lubricant mm -hmm. is very important just for like data, not even just sexually, sometimes like just to try and like not be as birdie sometimes i'll put a little mm -hmm. get on because that helps or oh that makes sense it my, just to reduce doctor, friction yeah or crisco actually is really good for it for me that gave me a yeast infection but a lot yeah. of people, <laughs> that is tremendously helpful like because the pee causes more burning so mm -hmm. you want that on so the pee kind of bounces off i was gonna ask if there's like a topical but because the vulvodynia is mostly out outer you were saying right so are there other topical options i've done a lot of them um i've done the yeah i've done gabapentin i've done um oh my god i've done capsaicin which is the active ingredient in chili so it's like it makes your vagina feel spicy to burn mm -hmm. it's like it's counterintuitive but it makes it burn to get rid of the substance p so you're, you're used to the burning horrible the worst one i could not get do it consistently enough to make it not just the most agonizing experience yeah not work for me but it works for some people um not trying to give medical advice but no but it, you you kind of said has been successful for others yeah i mean but this really brings attention to the the fact that these things are a lot of trial and error uh and that everybody is different so if any like i don't want anyone to get discouraged if they tried something and it didn't work that there no, and so many I options I think a lot of the problem for me has always been, I was looking for an instant, I take a mm -hmm. pill, it's done. And that's just not a lot of what managing a chronic illness is. It's not going to automatically like a light switch turn off. It's going to be, maybe it feels better one day after it. Some, then two weeks later, it could come back and just, you have a flare. And that doesn't mean it's the other thing isn't working. It doesn't mean you didn't do the right thing. You made a mistake. Um, it's just, it's gonna take time and effort and it shouldn't, it should be more better understood, but um, it's just kind of what it is. It's you, ha and it's also okay to, I guess 
I spent a lot of time feeling like it was my responsibility. And if I wasn't figuring it out, I was just accepting my fate. But it's okay to stop, start, take breaks, try again, give yourself some time just to be sad or to be disappointed that it didn't work or to just kind of like, I can't handle trying another treatment option or researching it right now. So I'm just kind of going to live with things. And that's okay too. Whatever Mm -hmm. spirit is okay. Yep. Yep. That's really important. Just living in the moment of grief from your former self who was not feeling pain that's a valid feeling and I think a lot of people have a hard time just sitting with that I certainly do also grieving the life you would have had you wished you would have had a pain-free life it's that's not your reality and it's probably never going to be and it's okay to grieve that as often as you need to mm-hmm. and on you know on the opposite end it's also totally fine to identify with this and be like no this is the, this is a part of who I am and this I I find a lot of solace in that that I'm like I I'm the poop girl now. <laughs> I'm the vagina. You're the girl, vagina so girl. You. I'm the poop girl. <laughs> I, and you know I I'm proud of that. Even at the foot doctor today, I mentioned I was immunocompromised just so that people would leave me alone. And her niece, the nurse's niece, had Crohn's, and we spent like 20 minutes talking about how hard it is. And just I like being an open book for people, but other people don't have to do that. Um, you can also live in privacy. That's fine too. You just have to do what makes you feel best, what's in your best interest. And I don't know what the answer is for everyone. Do you have the thing where like on a good day, you feel like you're having a good day. So you almost don't feel like you're entitled to your bad days. Yes. When you have a good day, you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you feel like, I, I must've been faking it this whole time. See, I'm fine. I, I gaslight myself. Yes. Yes, because we've been <laughs> gaslighted for decades. Yep, all the time. It's it's just you kind of just got to honor yourself wherever it is. No matter, and it's so much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was really beating myself up for a bad pain day. Like today sucks, and yeah. like beating myself up for like feeling like a baby because I'm like you've been through worse. Like you should be able to you know sit at your desk. You're, you're working from home. How hard could it be? But like you have <laughs> hard, <laughs> hard didn't hard. go away. No, but but. you made um, a lot of really excellent points tonight, um, and thank, thank you, you for being so open. I know, like as we said, it's not always easier easy to talk about your vagina, just like it's not easy to talk about your poop. So thank you for being open for the people who might not be ready to talk about it yet. Um, Ricky, did you have any any more questions from the male perspective, perhaps? No, I think we addressed a lot of stuff. Obviously, I didn't know practically anything about this coming into it so I, I learned a lot and I appreciate you uh, talking about it you know I think it's very helpful for people to hear about this type of stuff so well I just really appreciate the work you guys are doing having this podcast at all it's so important and there's such a host of different things that are shameful or hard for people and just starting the sick invite I I cannot tell you how much it means to me that you guys did this and the fact that you're putting this out into the universe for other people. Uh, I just, it means a lot to me and, and others and you're, you're doing great work and you guys should be really proud of yourselves. I know I'm proud of you guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank we, you. we love the feedback and then we, we love hearing, especially from you directly. And then I, I will say that listeners are writing in uh, and these episodes and people sharing their stories are influencing listeners. A couple of people have written that they're going to therapy now after the couple of mental health episodes. So you sharing is awesome and thank you for being here. 
Thank you so much for having me on the second night. She said it. Did I do it okay? You did. <laughs>